Let me pray. And we'll get going. Father, your mercies are new every morning, and so we uh, praise you for the sun rising again today, uh, for you giving us air in our lungs, uh, beating hearts, uh, you giving us uh, the breath of life. Uh, We ask, therefore, that you breathe your spirit into us uh, this Lord's Day. Bless us, encourage us, strengthen us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, hopefully you have got sight of a, uh, a handout. I've got a few extras. Um, uh, we're starting late, and I'm, I'm sorry, I don't like starting late. Um, I'm going to keep trying to start at half past rather than nearly, well, gone 25T. Um, but uh, we're week two of a little series I'm calling Gospel Culture. Uh, and really in this series, I wanted, wanted to ask a question. How does the gospel which is a message, a set of beliefs. Uh, How does it form a a church culture, or how should it form a church culture if it's working properly? Or or to put the question a different way, I suppose, what should a church look like that believes, really embraces the good news of salvation by grace alone? If we say by grace alone, what should that look like as it sort of works through uh, into our lives? And one 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 of the, I suppose, presuppositions I'm working with is that there can be a gap between what we believe and, and how we live. Um, it's a bit like if, if you ever had a, you know, um, you've got a cold room in your house. Um, one of the rooms is cold, it's not heating up. And it could be a problem with the boiler, the boiler could be broken, but most of the time it's a problem with the system somewhere, isn't it? You go check the boiler, it's firing, it's working fine, um, the heat's getting into some parts, but it's just not getting through into every room, not getting into the, you know, the upstairs bedroom or whatever. And that's what we're, we're like. Um, we, we believe the gospel, saved, going to heaven, forgiven, children of God. But, but as we remain on earth, sin blocks the system and the gospel doesn't get into all areas of our life. Holiness doesn't filter through into all areas of our life. Uh, and what, what I'd love, and I'd love you to pray for this for, for church, actually, for Christchurch. Um, I suppose particularly over the course of this series, but in general, something going forward. We, we want to be a church where... It, it is, if you like, it's safe to walk through the doors on a Sunday morning, whatever week you've had, okay, whatever you're feeling like, um, whether you've stormed, you know, reading the Bible and praying and being super godly that week, or whether you're just totally crushed and broken, conscious of your sin. We, we want church to be a place where it's, it, it is safe and welcoming for sinners to walk through the door, both Christians um, who are conscious of their sin that remains, and actually non-Christians. Of course we're going to be challenged, of course we're going to be confronted, but we want a, a kind of gracious culture that matches the doctrine of, of grace alone, the fact that we're saved by grace alone. So we're going fairly gently, last week was quite instructive, this week I, I just want to think about, about four key words, confess, encourage, thank and honour. So I'm going to talk for a little bit and then we'll have plenty of discussion. Um, very obviously, I imagine this is not new news to most of you, very obviously the gospel is about sinners being forgiven. Okay, all the way through the Bible, the incredible thing about the character of God is that he's willing to forgive sinners. So we've got it there in the Old Testament, Exodus 34, I put on your sheets. When, when Moses asks to see God, okay, I, want, I want to see what you're like, I want to see your glory, God comes and speaks to him. So we read, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Uh, 
That verse goes on to say other things as well. I'm aware of that. But God is a God who loves to forgive sin. It's going to cost the life of his own son, but he loves to forgive. We see that right from the first sin. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden. They sin. God comes. Um, there's the curses, the punishments. But the next thing he does is clothe them. Remember, they're naked. They've tried to cover themselves in fig leaves. God clothes them. He doesn't just kill them there and then, as he'd have had every right to do. Uh, rather, he clothes them and promises that he will send a rescuer one day, a, a serpent crusher. And so it's no surprise when Jesus comes onto the scene uh, that he co- comes and says things like, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In fact, at one point in Matthew 11, um, one of the critiques made of Jesus is he's a friend of sinners. And it's, it's being used as an insult, but, but of course it's, it's anything but. It's an incredible thing that God is prepared to be a friend of sinners. And so Paul can say this, this saying is trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost, I'm the, the very worst. Now that, I, I strongly suspect I've told you nothing you don't know this morning. Okay, you know God forgives sinners in the gospel. You know that's why Christ died, uh, to atone for our sins so that we could be forgiven. But, but it's possible to forget in the sort of living of the Christian life that God will continue to be gracious to you. That, that in his very character, he is merciful and kind and forgiving. So we think, uh, well, of course, God will forgive non-Christians. This is the first time they become a Christians. But after that, well, he's going to get pretty annoyed when I keep sinning. But actually, the, the New Testament picture of the Christian life is one where we continue to battle with sin. We're not purified. We're forgiven 100%. We're justified, clothed in Christ's righteousness. But the battle remains. The presence of sin remains in our hearts. So the penalty of sin is taken, but the presence remains. And therefore, we, we're meant to be people who continue to admit sin. Uh, John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not remain. Sorry, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The idea of the Christian life is one where we're continually confessing our sin. Not worried that God's going to kick us out and no, you've gone too far. But just because we want to come to him again, to our Heavenly Father, for forgiveness and restoration and cleansing. And we just began to touch on this last week. But one of the hardest things for Christians, is actually to admit that they're sinners. Okay, so I've just given you loads of verses that say that we're sinners, that God forgives sinners, and yet we really struggle to admit it to one another. Um, James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Okay, again, there's context there, I know all the rest of it, but still, this idea that we're meant to confess our sins to one another, to be honest with one another, is something we find incredibly difficult, or most of us do. Um, so again, if I was to ask you, who, who do you confess your sins to? That isn't really confess your sins, not the, the little ones that are kind of acceptable. But, but who do you really confess your sins to? Would, would, would you have an answer? Okay, is there anyone you, you, you trust enough, um, you're willing to be open enough with, to confess your sins to on a, on a human level? And um, I heard someone talking about this the other day, and um, he said someone asked him the question, 
he, well, he, he, he meets up, I don't know how often, once a fortnight or whatever, with, with two or three friends, and, you know, they, they talk about how they're doing, they confess their sin to one another, and, and someone said to him once, what, what sin do you, do you confess? I, I sin loads. So which sins do you confess? And he said, well, it's pretty easy. I just, the ones I, I ought to confess, at least, are just the ones I know I don't want to. Okay, so I sin in all sorts of ways, um, but it's particularly the ones that I don't want to confess, that it's most helpful and freeing um, to then confess uh, to other people. So, um, that brings us really to the first of our, our words this morning, confess. Confess, encourage, thank and honour. This first discussion is going to be on, on confession, really. Um, so just round tables, someone take a lead. There's no appointed leaders, by the way, and if you're new to Sunday school, we don't, um, we don't have set groups. So if you don't like the people we sat with next week, this week, sit on a different table next week. Um, but someone take a bit of a lead and have a crack at those questions. What makes really confessing our sins, our serious sins to one another difficult? What stops you doing it? Okay, just try and think quite practically. And, and then secondly, is there a point? Okay, why bother? Can't you just confess it to God? Isn't this all a bit Roman Catholic, confessing your sins to, you know? Uh, and what I've done there as well is, you, you'll see on your sheet a little picture of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a, a German pastor in the, um, well, mid 20th century, he was executed by Hitler. Um, if, if you get through, um, well, if you get onto the second question, basically, if you have a read of that quote, particularly his last line, uh, or last couple of lines, um, I think it's, it's pretty stimulating. But don't worry if you don't quite get to the quote, but that might help you on the second question. Um, over to you. I think, well, hopefully, hopefully you've had some helpful discussion. I think, say, keep them going. We'll, we'll, not, we'll not do lots of sort of cross-table feedback just now. Um, I would imagine some of the things you might have talked about would be things like um, the fact that we struggle to trust other people. Is there anyone in my life I actually trust enough um, that they're not going to go and talk about it or I'm willing to be, to be vulnerable with them? A lot of it, I do think, is that we, we don't confess sin to people because... Um, essentially we don't really believe the gospel we do believe the gospel, we don't believe the gospel um, so I still want to be seen as good, upright, I don't want people to know the bad news about me so the Bible tells me I'm a sinner um, and I sort of acknowledge that but I don't want people to know really what I'm like or the specific ways uh, I'm a sinner um, something's just very practical just, just the need to take initiative and actually do it and we, we just sort of don't get round to it. Sometimes you can think of all these spiritual reasons, but actually it's just getting up and, and going. Um, and I, you need to be careful here. Like I, I'm not, so I'm certainly not saying here that we need some sort of Roman Catholic kind of confessional where you have to go to your, you know, the priest and then you confess your sins and he absolves you. Obviously that's not how it works. You go directly to God with your sin. That's by far the most important thing, by miles. Um, but there is something powerful about... Um, being honest with one another, encouraging one another in the, in the gospel. Okay, so I don't think you need a specific verse that says you, and there isn't a specific verse that says you must, you know, be in an accountability group or something. Obviously, there isn't. Okay, so there's not one way to do all this, but it it is just how does the gospel work out in our systems? How do we encourage one another? Reminding each other of the gospel in the light of our sin um, is it's just a huge, huge encouragement. Um, it doesn't really matter if you didn't get a Bonhoeffer or not. Bonhoeffer's a, a mixed figure, I think it's fair to say. Um, but there's something going on there, I think, helpful, in his, at least in his last, um, last line of his little quote there, that the Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain, his brother's is sure. There, 
what, if you're a Bonhoeffer expert or something, I know there's various complications, but anyway, um, sort of using what is best. Um, the, it's just true, isn't it, that hearing from outside of ourselves the gospel from someone else is, is massively comforting. In a way that sometimes if we just say reading the Bible on my own, I, my little conscience or the devil or just starts, yeah, but maybe that's not you. Whereas actually hearing someone just say it, it, it's just powerful. In a way, it's a mini version of the fact that God puts preachers in churches so that we hear from outside of ourselves. Why not just all read the Bible on our own rather than listening to you know, a preacher bang on half an hour every morning? Well, in part because it's this word from outside of us that, that come, can come with real power. I remember turning up at uni, I'd had a terrible, I worked for a year when I was just, um, just left school, had a terrible year, just terrible year spiritually, committed all sorts of sins I'm not going to now announce publicly, um, I'm not going to confess in church yet, um, all, all sorts of things, felt very guilty about them, and just one particular friend, good friend, he'd been on a super spiritual Christian gap year, um, building like orphanages or something in, in Latin America somewhere, and he, you know, I told him what, I, what I'd been up to, and he, he, he said, well, it's, you know, it's a good job that God forgives sinners, that Jesus forgives sinners, isn't it? Um, like, that wasn't new information, but actually just coming from him, it was, oh, yeah. So why I hadn't thought of that myself, I don't know, but it's just often the way God works. So I really would encourage you to, to look for these kind of relationships. Um, yeah. Um, more briefly, last of 10 minutes or so, confess three other words, New Testament words, encourage, thank, and honour. In some ways, these are, these are almost the sort of flip side of, uh, of confessing sin to one another. Um, we reveal all that's wrong with us. On the flip side, um, you thank God and you praise the good that he's worked in other people. And three words, ooh, excuse me, three words that uh, express that, encourage, honour, thank. Again, I, I mean, you could just pull all sorts of verses out. I've put a handful on your sheet. Encourage one another and build one another up. In 1 Thessalonians uh, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. And that's showing honour to one another, not to God there. Obviously you meant to honour God, but that particularly is aimed at one another. Outdo, just fighting to, to honour other people. I'm going to honour you even more um, than anyone ever honours me. You know, really, that's my struggle. That's what I want to fight to do. Uh, or, or think about so many of Paul's letters begin. I thank my God in all my remembering of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you. Making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So he's thanking God. He's thanking God for them. And he is telling them. So sometimes, well, you know, I thank God for people, but it, it, I don't want to tell them that because, you know, that would get them big heads or something like that. Well, Paul does. Okay. Um, so I, he, he tells the Philippians why he thanks God for them. I thank God for the partnership we have in the gospel or whatever it might be. Now, of, of course, you, what you don't want is flattery. In Proverbs, flattery is a sin. Okay, and, and flattery, um, but f- sorry, flattery and encouraging are not the same thing. So flattery is when you lie, um, as in you say things that are not true, either they're not true objectively or they're just not what you think, in order to win favour in the other person's eyes. So flattery ultimately is about yourself, not the other person. Okay, I'm saying nice things about you because I want you to like me, or I'm saying nice things about you, e- don't care if they're true or not. Because maybe I then want you to say nice things about me. Okay, so flattery is, is just untruth. But that's not to stop us encouraging okay, or honouring or thanking. 
Because ultimately what you're doing when you're doing that is not saying, do you know what, um, uh, Ben, uh, Ben, you're, you are amazing, okay? I mean, I know Jesus is good too, but you as well as Jesus are amazing, you know? But also, when I'm thanking Ben for his, all his like, endless work for the music, or he's run our home group for a year and a half now and is willing to do it again, or whatever it might be, ultimately I'm recognising God's work in him. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Okay. Now, don't, this shouldn't make you so paranoid. You can never say, thanks for the coffee. Yeah, thank you that God made you make me a coffee. Okay, it's just stupid. Okay, just, just say thank you. It's fine. Um, or I'm, I was just so encouraged by the Bible study led. Or I, oh, it's just so nice being friends. Or I'm just, even just, it's oh, so good to see you again at church. Okay, I know it's a slog getting out the door, but it's so good to have you here. Okay, you, don't, don't, you don't want to get so paranoid that you have to make it theologically accurate or something. That, but ultimately, that is what you're doing. You're thanking God. You're encouraging the person because of what God is doing in, the, in their life. And it is very, I know people, you know, oh, I don't want to get people puffed up. But that's such an English way of thinking about things. Um, I don't think I've ever met a Christian who's over-encouraged. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, but mm, it's not likely. Um, so, honour, encourage, thank. We've only got about seven minutes left. Roundtables again. Um, take those terms honour, encourage, thank why are we slow to do it what would help us be better at it um, you know, how, literally how might how might you do it more over to you okay um, it's Seven minutes past, and we need to be done at ten past so we can turn things around. Um, again, hopefully, help things on the uh, on the tables. Um, yeah, I remember someone saying to me ages ago, friend actually saying he imagines everybody walking around with a little sign sticking out the top of their head, little kind of placard sticking out the top of their head. If they're non-Christians, it says evangelise me. If they're Christians, it says encourage me. <laughs> um, and that's everybody in the world. I think that's quite nice. Um, so d- d- just hopefully, again, pretty simple stuff. Four words, confess, encourage, thank God. Something to think about th- this week and, and, and try not to let it just drain away too, too quickly. Um, how might you be able to put those uh, into place? I think some of them, particularly, well, all of them probably, take a little bit of thought. Um, text, uh, dropping a note, I don't know what it might be. Um, but it can really, the blessing you can be, basically, to the, to the community, to your brothers and sisters, is, is really significant. Um, let's just spend a couple of minutes round tables in prayer. We're going to finish at 10 past sharp, um, and then um, we'll, we'll turn church around. Thanks. <laughs>